Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. In March of 2018, Atlanta was hit with a ransomware attack that infected nearly 3,800 government computers belonging to the city of Atlanta, including servers. After the virus was deployed, the ransomware essentially locked all the infected computers, rendering them impossible to access. Atlanta's court system went down. Police were unable to check license plates. Residents couldn't pay bills online. Just three weeks before Atlanta was hit, uh, the small city of Leeds, Alabama, also experienced an identical cyber attack. And before Leeds, in January, it was the Hancock Regional Hospital in the suburbs of Indianapolis. What these three attacks have in common is that they were all hit by SamSam ransomware. Each attack demanded around the same amount, about $50,000 in cryptocurrency. Hancock Regional Hospital and Leeds, Alabama paid the ransom. However, the city of Atlanta did not. Instead, it chose to pay millions to get its systems back online. A ransomware is when a cybercriminal accesses a network of computers, encrypts all of the data, and extorts the company or organization to unlock it, essentially holding the network hostage. Before the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with John Holquist, Vice President of Analysis at Mandiant Threat Intelligence at FireEye, an intelligence-led security company. He explained that these attacks are nothing new. However, in the first half of 2021, the number of organizations impacted by ransomware across the globe has more than doubled compared with 2020. Another report identified more than 800 extortion attempts that likely had data stolen. And the targets are now becoming much more high-profile. In the U.S. alone, since April, prominent companies like Colonial Pipeline, JBS Foods, the NBA, and Cox Media Group have all been hit. Hackers typically access networks through phishing attacks, which are emails sent to employees tricking them into giving up passwords or clicking on malicious links that will download the malware onto the company network. Ransomware also looks for other entries into company networks via passwords that are easily cracked, like 123QWE, for instance. So, why so many, and why now? Holquist explains it like this. Originally, ransomware was mostly automated and targeted small systems with vulnerable passwords, open networks, and easy entryways. He calls it spray and pray. Uh, Quote, the ransomware would go out and hit whatever system it could get. The attackers were known to be quite friendly. They would unlock the data, even offer discounts sometimes, and then move on with their life. But then things changed, Holquist says. Criminals started making large, directed attacks on bigger companies with more money, and ransoms skyrocketed. In 2020, companies paid more than $406 million in cryptocurrency and ransom to attackers. Holquist said, These new targets have to pay out because often they are critical infrastructure. They have to get back online. Consumers are actually a factor because they are forcing these companies to make hasty decisions as far as paying. That was the case in the Colonial Pipeline attack. The hack took down the largest fuel pipeline in the United States on April 29th and prompted mass fuel hoarding across the East Coast. CEO Joseph Blount told the Wall Street Journal that the company paid the ransom, $4.4 million in Bitcoin, to bring the pipeline back online. But the decryption key that the adversaries provided didn't immediately restore all of the pipeline systems. The good news for Colonial is that the U.S. Department of Justice announced on June 7th 
that it recovered 63.7 bitcoins, valued at about $2.3 million, the Colonial had paid to its hackers. Of course, not paying the ransom can be just as problematic. Holquist said, some of these companies don't want to pay, so they force them to pay by leaking their data publicly. That's a proposition that a lot of organizations do not want a part of. Leaked emails and other proprietary information, he says, can be far more damaging to some companies than simply paying up. It can open them up to legal trouble or end up hurting their brand. Other hackers simply demand payment without even installing ransomware. That's what happened during the attack on the Houston Rockets in April. No ransomware was installed on the NBA team's network, but the hacking group threatened to publish contracts and non-disclosure agreements that it claims it stole from the team's system if they didn't pay up. There are several new initiatives laid out by the Biden administration in response to the surge in ransomware attacks. On May 12th, President Biden signed an executive order designed to improve the cybersecurity in the federal government networks. Among its executive actions, it will establish a cybersecurity safety review board modeled after the National Transportation Safety Board. The panel will likely include public and private experts who will examine cyber incidents similar to how the NTSB investigates accidents. Biden's team also released an open letter on June 2nd addressed to corporate executives and business leaders, which emphasized that the private sector has a responsibility to protect against cyber threats and that organizations, quote, must recognize that no company is safe from being targeted by ransomware, regardless of size or location. We urge you to take ransomware crime seriously and ensure your corporate cyber defenses match the threat. So what can you do to ensure that your network is safe? In May, the Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency and the FBI released best practices for preventing business disruption from ransomware attacks. In it, they list six mitigations that companies can do now to reduce the risk of being compromised by ransomware. First, require multi-factor authentication for remote access to operational technology and IT networks. Second, enable strong spam filters to prevent phishing emails, especially emails containing executable files, from reaching end users. Third, implement a user training program and simulated attacks for spear phishing to discourage users from visiting malicious websites or opening malicious attachments. Fourth, filter network traffic to prohibit communications with known malicious IP addresses. Prevent users from accessing malicious websites by implementing URL block lists and or allow lists. Fifth, update software, including operating systems, applications, and firmware on IT network assets in a timely manner. Consider using a centralized patch management system. And sixth, limit access to resources over networks, especially by restricting remote desktop protocol and requiring multi-factor authentication. Holquist says that the entire purpose of the game now is to hit a huge target who's likely to pay, and one that has to pay. And taking critical infrastructure offline is not out of the question. That, he says, the U.S. is not prepared for. He said, Our sophistication is our Achilles heel in this space. It makes us more vulnerable to incidents. One of the lessons we should be taking from all of this is we are not prepared for cyber war. We do know that they've targeted healthcare and other critical capabilities. Everybody is learning from this. Today's episode is based on the article, Surge in Ransomware Attacks Exposes U.S. Cyber Vulnerabilities on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Sarah Gleim. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. 
for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.